want to miss that. Um, who was shocked walking in seeing all the men at a women's conference, right? Opening the doors. So we just really um, wanted to have them here to get to just show how men can serve and honor women. And we wanted to take it a little uh, step further and have them actually get to speak life over all you today. So we are going to do a panel chat. And uh, the topic is empowering women. Who's ex <laughs> Who's nervous? <laughs> Who's nervous? <laughs> So we have carefully selected a panel of men, and these are all men who know how to fiercely champion women. So we are going to introduce you. Right here we have Richard Gordon as a, yes. Who is the lovely, lovely Gordon's husband. He's also a pastor at Bethel Church. So we are so welcome, or honored to have you here. Welcome. And then next to him, we have uh, Jake Bo John Bottles. I'm sorry, I always do that. I always do that. John Bottles, who is an amazing leader here. And next to him, we have Jordan, who is our pastor at Riverhouse. And last but not least, Ben White, another amazing leader here. So to get started, we have a question for all of you. We would like to know, how do you guys take your coffee? Since it is a coffee panel chat. Well, since I got back from Mozambique in 2014, I haven't been able to drink coffee. So uh, I drink tea. I uh, drink a lot of coffee, and so I've come to enjoy it just black. And it's a it's a love hate relationship because like after I swallow it, my mouth tastes gross. But but while I'm drinking it, it tastes good. So I actually don't drink coffee. It hurts my gut. So I have pre workout. <laughs> and uh, I don't have coffee either. Actually, if. There we go. If I, if I have coffee, my wife has actually made a rule in our house that I cannot have coffee. So I, 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 I work at like, my mind goes like, like a million miles an hour. But now if I have coffee, I'm just like hyper. I'm like, I just, I'm like everywhere. <laughs> and I can't focus. And so we have a rule. I just can't have coffee at all. But... Uh, Hi everyone, such an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having my wife. Isn't she the best? <laughs> and uh, I know it's about coffee, but um, this is our first time in Boise. We asked Jeff, anyone know Jeff Hills here, anyone? Just a couple of people. I asked Jeff what Boise's like, and he says just a bunch of potatoes. And I got you, and you guys are so fancy. You guys are so, so fancy. When I walked in here too, I was like, this is bougie. This is like, this is awesome. And so why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them that you're fancy. All right, I can tell it's going to be a great chat already. So to start, we just really wanted to have this um, rooted in the word. And so our first question for the men 
is what are some of the ways you saw Jesus empowering women? I have the mic, so I'll start. Um, I think one of, uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is where the woman comes and her daughter is afflicted by demons, and she comes to Jesus begging Jesus to, like, please, please help my daughter. And the disciples look at the woman, and they're, they kind of put her off, and they're like, Jesus is busy. He doesn't have time. He came for the Jews. And he, they kind of put her off, and she just keeps begging and begging, and she's like, Jesus, my daughter needs help. And it's probably one of my favorite lines in the whole Bible, but when, uh, when she says that even the dogs will eat the crumbs from the master's table, and then he says because of, he's like amazed at her faith. And um, I think when thinking about a lot of different stories with women in the Bible, Jesus was like, I think there's something about the faith of women that Jesus like saw and he honored, because I think in our society it's easy, like, like women can be put off even their faith and like the disciples did that and they told her I think two or three times like go away and she was like like she put herself so low and humble even the dogs will eat the crumbs and it's like every time I read that it's like oh my goodness it's like what faith she had that like people told her no and she was like I will have what I want and that was Jesus so I think he honored her faith so good John Uh, so one story that really stands out to me and immediately that I think of is the Samaritan woman at the well. And, it, you know, just in the culture and the times, too, for her to be there and for Jesus to actually be talking to her, that was the disciples kind of took that. And, oh. But uh, it was just so amazing to me at her faith and her the empowerment that she received from Jesus, just immediately hearing from him. Uh, how, how to really worship in spirit and in truth, and that that time was now that people were going to be worshiping, and, and that she then was awakened to who she truly was. And that woman, too, I mean, just the lies that she had over her life for so long of her identity, um, you know, they said uh, Jesus talked to her about the husbands that she had had and the relationship she was in at the moment. And really, she had been abused all of her life is really what it was. Men had, had really created her, made her like almost like a prostitute with the way that they treated her. So it wasn't her fault that she was divorced in that time. Men had the choice. They were the only ones that could decide that. And so they were just using and abusing her. And then Jesus came in and said, yeah, this is what you're doing. But he wasn't speaking about the sin. He was speaking about who she truly was and really empowered her to realize that she was an evangelist and just the power that she carried. And so she goes back to the town and brings all these people to Christ. And it's just in, in just amazing the power that she held and knew she had it, and she needed Jesus to just speak that into her too, and then that, that erupted, and then that town was saved, a lot of it. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. He stole my story. You know, but what I, I it's remarkable to see, I mean, Jesus kind of breaks all the the social norms of a Middle Eastern man if you're wanting to create a movement. Uh, in that day, it's pretty uh, radical how much time he spent with women, how much time he spent having conversation, speaking to them, asking them questions. Um, but, you know, and even in the story when the woman who'd been bleeding gets healed, she's breaking the religious rules of the day, which very much were, you know, to kind of put women in this box and keep them in this place. And, you know, she touches him. He says, who touches me? And she's trembling in fear because she just broke the law. You know, she's, she's unclean. She speaks, touches a rabbi. And Jesus looks at her and actually, you know, 
like exalts her. Like, no, your faith is great. And really gives permission for women to break free of these religious confines that are placed all upon them. And even, you know, the story of the woman at the well, it's like he didn't, he didn't see a broken woman. He saw an evangelist. And I think that is what really strikes me is that Jesus really takes time to stop and see and look into the soul of his daughters and has these moments that are, I mean, probably my most intimate uh, moment in the gospel, my most intimate encounter in the gospel is the woman caught into an adultery. And Jesus, it's like, it's crazy to think that he stops and sits with this woman that, you know, like, so I'm a single pastor, so I could relate to this, single rabbi. Um, If, 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 I'm gonna claim. I'm gonna start claiming that, man. No, but but so Jesus is this. Oh my gosh! Open the can of worms in here. Stop. But this woman caught in adultery is in front of the single rabbi, and all the people leave, and Jesus doesn't start thinking. What are they gonna start saying about me? What are they gonna think that I'm here alone? with this girl. Um, instead, he, 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 he fathers her, and he's with her, and he, it's like, I don't care about my reputation. Like, I care about my daughter. And it's just this, um, it's striking how, how beautiful the heart of Jesus is as he expresses to women. So, I mean, you could go on and on, but uh, Jesus is very radical in how he treats and honors and esteems and really sees right into the heart. So. I just love that he said he was a single rabbi. (laughs) We've gathered you all here today. (laughs) Just single, stand in your chair quickly. I'm just joking. (laughs) Um, I I love what Jordan said. He said, Jesus breaks all the social norms and the cultural norms. I think that's why Jesus came to earth. You know, he came to set a new cultural standard. And you can hear a story or you can let your belief system get transformed by the, the scripture. And, uh, and I just love, you know, it says in, I think it's in uh, Hebrews 1.3, it says Jesus is the radiance of the Father, the exact representation. Uh, and he, in Colossians 1.15, it says that he is the image of the invisible God. So if you've seen Jesus, then you've seen God. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father, and exactly what Jordan was saying, he comes and he represents a culture that the Father and God has. And so the way Jesus interacts with the sick, it's actually God's culture. The way that Jesus interacts with uh, the Pharisees, it's God's culture. The way that Jesus interacts with crowds and the one, he's representing not just a moment for teaching, but he's representing culture. And then the way that he interacts with women, he redefines the culture that actually God has in the heavens. And uh, we see that, you know, at the well, we see that uh, with the woman that changes the whole city. He uses a woman to actually be the key to open up a whole city to get saved. And it's just, he just breaks. And, and what's beautiful is that it means more, because if you understand the Middle Eastern Turkish culture, it actually, a woman could not, like, was not allowed to read or study the scriptures. And so then it just, it's like, oh, wow, he brought them on journeys with him. He changed the norm of the day. And uh, I love, just the one that stuck out to me, there's, uh, it's the story of Martha and Mary. 
And we see this context, and, and maybe you can put yourself in the, the shoes of the story too. And often it's taught and shared like, oh, no, this is, uh, this is you as a general church concept that, no, you should really sit and, uh, at the feet of Jesus rather than do a bunch of works. But the context is actually women. And the context between two women, and uh, there's Martha running around. Sorry, I'm going <laughs> to. There's Martha running around, and she's doing actually what, what is deemed quite the social norm for a woman to do, to serve and to help. And she's running around fulfilling what actually a good, the social norm for a woman would be in that context. She's going and doing that. And then we have Mary, and Mary's actually sitting at the feet of Jesus, Quite like, actually, in the Middle Eastern culture, that was the position that a man would take. And a man would take that almost to learn from the rabbi. And she's sitting there in the place of a man learning, where women shouldn't learn and women shouldn't study the scriptures or read them. But in their social norm, they should be the ones running around and helping. And if you kind of have that a little bit. And then Jesus makes this comment, and a lot of the church <coughs> uses it and deems it on our general Christian walk, but I think he was making a comment about women, yes. and he was saying, it's better what Mary's doing. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that he came not just to make a statement that I want you to sit and be with me rather than work, but I think he made a social and a cultural statement saying, actually, woman, it's, your, your role is not just to serve and run around. You actually, I want you to come and learn like the disciples learned. And so he comes and changes the game. I just love Jesus. He just, <laughs> Jesus is cool. <laughs> He's a cool dude. <laughs> That's awesome, Richard. So powerful. <laughs> You're still on that. <laughs> Um, so even right now, like, if, if that's your norm, allow the scripture to change your culture and your normal. You can sit here and listen to people talk about the scriptures and talk, but like, allow, if that, even as I said that, kind of like, ooh, I'm the one that does that, or that's actually how I see myself, like, I would, I would hope that a little bit of you got a little offended there. And realize, oh, I, I don't have that. I want. I need to actually change my norm. So God, I even pray right now, as we've, as these men have just shared, I pray right now, Lord God, more than words, more than a conversation between humans, but Holy Spirit, would Your weight and would Your power be upon words to change the insides, the culture of people listening right now? And God, I just break the thinking that. Anyone in this room, their only um, goal in this life is just to run around and serve. Serving's great, but. Amen. So we wanted to hear a few different perspectives now from you guys of just um, in what ways you have actually practically empowered women. I hope someone has an answer. <laughs> um, you know, I'll, I'll back it up even before I answer that. I think I'm, I, I have a, a pretty deep conviction that 
the voice of women really needs to be released and honored and exalted. I think it's one of the big keys to, I mean, Rich talked about how one woman unlocked a city. I think the voice of women is a key to unlock really the power of the church, of the bride. And I think there's been, um, uh, you know, like men's voices have been predominantly pretty heard throughout church history, church culture. You I mean, you study, there's a lot of men celebrated. And I don't think that's a bad thing, um, but I think it's incomplete. And there's a real, I just feel this very deep burden from the Lord often that the voice of his daughters need to be heard. And that there's a, it's almost as if like the song has the melody, the song has like, there's different parts of the song. I think there's going to be a convergence that takes place when the voice of the daughters and the voice of the sons come together and something very beautiful is going to be released. And you know, that conviction um, is very, very core to me because in my discipleship journey, my primary influencing voices was the voice really of one woman uh, who's here today. And her whispers, her prayers, her, her voice um, truly uh, was the most prophetic thing that I've had. And the, by, I can look at no other source to find what has shaped and molded and formed me into the man that I am is the voice of my mother. And, um, and, you know, and then even outside of that, probably the most, another woman, and you know, most of you that know the moment of my life in a prophetic sense, again, came um, from another woman. And you know, most of you that know here, I've, I've shared it, but um, with Heidi Baker in Africa. And so um, there's such a, a, a place of honor in my heart for the voice of women because of the personal fruit that I have seen that bear in my life. And that's not to neglect, there have been men that have spoken powerful things as well, but um, there's, I'm shaped, I'm forever transformed because of it. And I just think, uh, I, I really have a distaste for this dichotomy, this religious system where it's like women's voices, uh, you know, it's okay, men need to be the preachers. Why are women preaching? Why are women speaking? I, I still get emails, like, why is, why are women preaching in Riverhouse? And I'm just like, gosh, because I've been listening to women preach my whole life, you know, <laughs> particularly one, and I didn't like a lot of them. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so practically, I guess, um, you know, I shared this with the staff, uh, I don't even know when, probably six months ago, but I, you know, I really believe that it is significant for the development of our community that the voice of women be uh, put on the platform and heard and seen and developed and given space to um, flourish. And so, uh, you know, my mother preaches, uh, Susanna Fleming, who's on the staff, she'll be speaking here soon, I think on the 27th of May, so mark your calendars, ladies. Um, you know, and, and I think uh, even from the sense of you know, as a preacher, uh, God's given me anointing to communicate, and the Lord, I really had a shift where he said, okay, now I want you to look past yourself, and I want you to start looking to other voices um, and, and creating space for other people um, to begin to enter into the same place and minister um, in anointing and power and purity in the ways that God's called them, and I really feel like it's significant um, for, uh, particularly, I've told Susanna, my mother, that their voices be heard in our community, and not just theirs, I think that's symbolic that there is, uh, you know, or a people movement, we're the church of Jesus Christ, and so I think that the voice, your voices need to be heard. Um, I've spoken personally to 
many of you, I've something expressed along the lines of there's just a constricting, there's something constricting my voice, there's something that keeps me from do what I is is it valuable what I have to offer? And I think it's not it's beyond valuable. It is for it is essential. It's not a suggestion. There's such a need um, for the voice of the sons, the voice of daughters to be heard and heard powerfully. And I think that it's you know like it's synergy. It's greater than what them on them on their own can be. So I think there is such a spirit of the age right now. This feminism thing to almost like it is to empower women, but it's to separate it. And I think that God's not just wanting to empower it and hear it be released, but to actually marry it, because then there's something more than the parts can be on their own. So. Practically, that's uh, one of my passions within a ministry context is to continue to create space um, and to see uh, your voice be heard. And I think that looks like literature. I think that looks like the arts. I think that looks like a lot of different things. I don't, I'm not just speaking to sermon. That's just my world being in a rabbi. Um, uh, but, you know, that's practically kind of my hands on in, in it. So. fighting over it now. That's good. Um, yeah, so for me, um, I think I'm in the marketplace, and so I'm in a, a workplace that's predominantly male-dominated um, in commercial real estate, and really there's, there's very few women in the business that are, that are leading and that are not, you know, assistants or things like that, secretaries. And I, uh, it was actually pretty cool because yesterday my mom sent me a video. My sister's graduating from high school this year, and she sent me a video, and it was of my sister getting an award at uh, the school she goes to. That the teacher said, in my six years here, this is the best um, econ student I've had. And I was I was watching the video. It was almost like the it was like a revelation to me. I started getting emotional because I've had like a desire. I sit in meetings with men, and it's just hard-nosed, and they're sharks, and it's like, and I break in a lot of meetings because I see so much pride, and it's like, and then I feel so weak because it's like, okay, now I'm going to bring the emotion into this and try to bring some, like, kingdom revelation, but in that, in the marketplace, it's not very well accepted, and then I look weak, and it's been something I've had to, you know, had to struggle with, but I had this, when I was watching this video of my sister, I just started breaking, and I was like, I so, so, so desire to see women rise up in, uh, in even in the marketplace in areas they haven't been given permission because I've seen, biz- I work with one woman who's, she's in Colorado, but we do a lot of business together, and she's a very, very powerful kingdom-minded woman, and when she's in meetings, it brings like this weird thing, I don't know exactly how to pinpoint it, but it brings something that it like, she's like, She's extremely powerful, but she doesn't do it from a way of, like, when the guys take out their hammers and they're digging into each other, she doesn't just, like, take authority as if, like, from a sense of hate. She does it from the most, like, empowered way that it, like, it breaks down walls and barriers. And so I think, um, I don't know that I've seen it yet, like, practically, but I think just yesterday, yesterday, like, all evening, I was just dreaming about, like, Really, for my sister personally, I haven't told her, but I'm like, I want you to come. Like, we need to do something together someday in the marketplace. But, I mean, I think for women in general, that's my dream is, like, it's so, the business I'm in is still so male-dominated. And there's a, women have, what I, I think what I really am craving is, like, women have this, like, you guys are much more in tune with your emotions and I've begun to uh, get more in tune with mine, and then I go into the marketplace, and I'm just like, they need this. 
like these powerful businessmen, if only they were in touch with like how they could affect society and how they could influence culture, it would be it would be mind blowing. And then I see the women that do rise up, lots of times it's like from a place of poverty. So they're like, I'm gonna beat my way to the top and then I'm gonna point back at everybody and say, look what I've done. And it's it just creates an unhealthy ecosystem. And so that's where I'm like, I wanna see women empowered and even like empowerment of women these days, it can mean so many different. I've been weak in these meetings. I see women empowered where it's like, I will be weak. Just like I, you know, I've been weak in these meetings. I will be weak, but in my weakness, I will bring revelation and transformation to areas that have previously we haven't been allowed in. And so uh, I think I think that's my real dream is like I, yeah, it's like I want to see women empowered that way. And I'm still like asking, Lord, how, do, how does this work? How do I do this? Because it feels like a 200-foot brick wall that's 200 feet thick. And it's like, okay, Lord, it's going to be you and how... How do I do it personally? So I don't know if that fully answered the question, but that's kind of more like dr- I'm dreaming with you. So. so what was the question? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so, yeah, really in, in my journey too, like as far as me empowering women, that wasn't even possible until my wife really empowered me and gave me the ability to to learn how to empower women and to really shape the identity of who I was. And so but yeah, she's just such an incredible woman and the and the things that she has spoken to me and the way that she's battled for me has just changed my life incredibly. There's several women here who've changed my wife life incredibly the way that they've they've spoke into me. But it's now given me the ability to communicate that back. So really the most functional way that I empower women is to just speak the truth to them. The truth of who they are. It's just to see who they are and just say something instead of just staying quiet. Um, you know, my past is my past, their past is their past, and, and we're looking to the future, and we're hearing from the Holy Spirit and seeing what he says and what he sees about them. And so just to speak that instead of just staying silent, and the enemy no longer keeps me silent. So I'm able to speak and just seeing just so many powerful, beautiful women. It's like, it, if you said something to me right now, I'm going to hold on to that, and that is going to empower me. So the, what you carry is so vital, and like Jordan was saying, just to, to release that. It's just so important, and, and for the women that have released that to me in my life, it's made such a huge difference and so really what I just encourage is just you keep talking like I mean I'll I'll try to empower you the best I can but please please keep empowering the men it's just you're you're changing the world and you're changing in our lives it's just incredible um I don't know how many of you go to this church but you've got amazing leaders here my word yes <laughs> Like you can get a bunch of information, but you can hear the hearts. I mean, this man starts talking about his wife, and he's like in tears. And, and then Jordan's like, let's bring it back. Actually, the voices of women need to be released in this place. I'm like, oh, I just love it. I just love it. And are you single too? <laughs> oh, strategic placement in the middle here. <laughs> um. <laughs> You need a, he says he needs a nickname too. Uh, we'll volunteer some later. I'll just tell you a story. I remember uh, coming to, we're from South Africa, and I remember when the Lord spoke to us about going to uh, Reading, 
And I had a dream, and in the dream, the Lord said, in uh, three years' time, you're going to move cities, you're going to move to a new place, your wife will study theology, your work as an engineer, you'll live with a lady by the name of Pat, and it's going to happen in three years' time. So three years later, I came, and we're sitting in a, a lounge, um, and a, a, a person who's, uh, we would call them like a prophet, a really strong prophetic gifting, comes into the room, calls us out, and says, this young couple over here, I see the word relocation over your head. I see you uh, being launched, uh, and I see you going to a new city, a new country, um, where it's going to be a time of refreshing and equipping, and you're going to be launched from that place. And I remember in that moment, I'd just been offered to uh, go down and lead an engineering department in Cape Town, South Africa. Well, I mean, we were in talks about it, but in the moment, I I, I knew it was going to be the riskiest thing for us would be to move to America. And I'd over Libby, Libby is one of the most phenomenal gifts that I've ever interacted with in my entire life. And uh, I've never met anyone like her in my whole life. She's the most powerful person that I've ever met. And uh, what she carries, and even at that young age, you know, this was six years ago or so. And I remember, uh, what did you say? Seven years ago. (laughs) And uh, even at that age, I I remember just this, she is, she is, I need to invest into this. And uh, um, I remember uh, we chatted, and I said, this would, be the, this would be amazing. This would be the thing to do. I want to actually, I want to send you through the school, and I want to see you arise and shine wow. and for, um, wow. for your gifting. And I want to invest and lay down to see, you know, what's on your life, arise and shine. And uh, I remember... Um, Long story short, they said I'd get a green card in 18 months. We needed it in three. We got it in three. Uh, as I got the green card, I'd just been promoted three years early to a senior position in my, man, in my engineering firm. It was about three weeks into my promotion. All my contemporaries were in their 40s and 50s. And, and I remember handing in my resignation. And my boss looked at me with, you know, dumbfounded eyes like, you know, w- w- are you going somewhere else? I said, no, I'm... I'm laying, I'm, I'm going to put my wife through the school because there's something on her life. And uh, um, I remember <clears throat> we ended up in America. I, we lived in an apartment with a lady by the name of Pat. My wife studied at the uh, Bethel School of Ministry, and I worked as an engineer there. And uh, it was like, it was one of these, you know, like, oh, it's just one of those God stories. Like, it was just, wow, I'm still, like, pinch myself today. But it was my greatest honor to lay my life down. And I worked, I can't remember, crazy hours just to put her through. And I remember her coming home every day, crying, tears, coming, running down her um, eyes, saying, like, just of the impact that God was doing in her life. And I, like, back home in South Africa, we've got quite a male-dominant society. So I would be traveling and preaching and stuff, and I would bring her with me. And I would say, hey, if you invite me, you're going to get her. And she would get up and Bam! <laughs> it was, and they were thankful afterwards. But, <clears throat> but now I was, before she went, uh, I love that now when I was up in Reading, I love that I was, before she, it was like, oh, that's uh, Richard's wife. I love that I'm known in many circles as uh, Libby's husband. And uh, I just love that, absolutely love that. And so it was my joy to lay my life down to see her rise and shine. And she isn't she one of the most incredible humans? Yeah. Love her. I'm trying like not to cry over here this whole time. <laughs> Are these answers so good, ladies? 
So uh, Jordan and Ben touched on this a little bit, but um, what uh, role, I guess, have or impact have powerful women had in your guys' lives? Yeah, I've had a... I've had a couple of powerful women really impact me, and one was my grandma. Um, she, it was an interesting, my, my grandpa was a Nazarene pastor for, I don't know how many years, maybe 50, 50 plus years, and he uh, planted a lot of churches and, and uh, did all that, and my grandma kind of lived her life serving him, but it was very different from what I'd seen, like, previously when a, when a wife is really serving her husband, and she used to... Um, she would always call me. I was I went to college in Phoenix, and she would always call me like early mornings just to talk. And it was uh, she had a profound impact on me because the way that she she served my grandpa, but the way that she did it was like she would always talk about like my minute, m- me and your grandpa's ministry. You, my your grandpa and I pastored this church together, and she uh, she got she taught school and she got a real estate license and she did all these things. But she very much served my grandpa, and I remember looking, and I, I uh, have thought about this a lot recently after my grandpa's passed. But he's passed, and and when I'll go sit with her now, and it's just me and her, it's just us talking. She still she talks about like her ministry and what she did, and it's really, uh, it's really like something that's beautiful that I've found to be truly beautiful. Because when I sit with her, I'm like, wow, I'm like, you have. Uh, you have so much to offer me, and I have, I've experienced, on the other side of my family, it's been very different, where it's the, the male, uh, my grandpa shares what he has to share, and my grandma very much, it's harder to have a conversation with, because she doesn't, it's like, what are you passionate about, like, what, a, what do you really want, and I think, uh, I kind of shared on it in the last thing I said, but I think one way that powerful women have affected me most is when it comes to humility and, and my emotions, because, uh, you know, growing up, it's like I had a lot of humble men in my life, but I also saw culture which said climb your way to the top as fast as you can and be the biggest, strongest, fastest, you know, check all the boxes and you'll make it someday. And I've seen uh, I've seen women, I guess this isn't, I'm not trying to promote the woman I'm looking for, but this is, uh, I mean, I desire. <laughs> this I co- see what you're doing here, John. <laughs> this, wasn't, this wasn't planned, so don't take notes. But... But I saw my. <laughs> no, I saw my Listen grandma. Closely. <laughs> Should we pass the mic? No, but I saw my grandma. I remember she used. She tells me stories about my grandpa, and he would come home discouraged, and she would be like the first one to be like, "Are you kidding me?" And she'd call him out and be like, "This is who you are." And she would say like, she would be like, you know, when he was in the depths of like. I don't know what's happening with the ministry. A church is falling apart. All these things. She was the one who was very much serving. But when it came time for her to like step step up, she's like, "That's not who you are." And you know, I uh, it's it's amazing. And that's how I think women have impacted me the most. When when in a culture where it's like men are supposed to have the powerful voices, when a woman looks looks a man in the eyes and says, "No, this is who you are," and you're being weak right now, and this isn't, you know what I mean? It's like it impacts men deeply. Because we're so, it's like we're so unique, and I'm not married, so you could speak on this better than me, but we're so unique, but at the same time, it's like there's something so vital that we need in each other, and so, so women, it's like your voices, when you like are like, when you're intensely like, this is who you are, and this is like, you're not called to that, it's like, 
wow, and that's affected me just as much as it affected men in my life because uh, your guys' faith, you see things that men don't see. I think I've seen women that it's like, wow, no other man has seen that. No other man has called me to that, but but you have a different perspective. And so, um, yeah, you're, I think I think to answer the question in one statement, it's like your women's perspective, the, the different perspective than they hold in men when they share it, it's it's profoundly impacted me, so. Um, I've, I've had the privilege of being mothered by a very powerful woman, and uh, probably the greatest gift, I've told her this, but uh, she's pursued my heart relentlessly my whole life, and uh, I'll probably get emotional, um, but I mean, I have memories whenever I'd be hurting, whenever I'd be anything, she would always pursue my heart, and that literally would, like at times, um, I have memories, I was all, I'm a sentimental type, so I'd get a... Uh, I get real sad the last day of school, and I remember I cried my way home from like third grade or something, and uh, she thought someone beat me up or something like that, you know, it's like, who's crying on the first day of summer, you know, and uh, so I come running in the house, a sobbing mess, and I run in my room and lock the door, and I mean, she sat out there at least an hour knocking every few minutes, will you, will you let me in? I want to know what's going on, and that until finally I would let her in, this is what's going on inside my heart. And I, I shut down very, very strongly, particularly through my teenage years. I was in a lot of pain and um, always she was the only one that could get there because she invested hours in frustrating conversations, always trying to uh, pursue my heart and showed me that, Jordan, what's inside of you is really valuable. And it was uh, amazing, uh, really a revelation to me when I was 19, I began praying, seeking the Lord fervently. And as I would sit in a prayer chapel, it was, it was the same uncomfortable presence pursuing my heart, saying, Jordan, let me in. What's going on inside you? Um, and, and really, my mother's love laid a foundation um, for me to begin to exploring the world inside me of intimacy with Jesus Christ and uh, your love uh, nurtured and cultivated me and taught me about the treasure of intimacy and forever marked me and changed me. Um, I, she taught me the language of my heart. She showed me that my emotions are valuable, not to be afraid of what's inside of me. And uh, and, and, and probably the other thing this would tag on that is my mother always has sought the Lord and what she modeled uh, her personal intimacy with Jesus um, when my world fell apart and I was in a deep pain and very much looking at two roads, which was one of self-medication or the other one was to, to learn um, to deal with my pain. Um, I just did what I'd seen my mother do her whole life, which was seek the face of God and and take her pain and process and be real and authentic to the Lord. And so um, I'm forever changed um, because of a powerful woman. I am who I am because of a powerful woman. I, uh, the only thing that makes sense is my mother laid her life down for me, and uh, God honored that sacrifice. And so love you, Mom. And we're so blessed to have Mama Robin in this house. We all just love you. Aren't we just like, she does so much for all of us. We just love you so much. 
so I already kind of talked about it just a little bit, but just to go into a little more depth, um, there's a lot of you know Ashley, know my wife too, and just know, yeah, how amazing she is, how powerful she is. But there's a lot more. Some of you know our personal testimony a little bit deeper. We've shared that with several of you. But just the, the impact that she's had in my life of, of speaking to me as well and telling me who I truly am and the battle that she's done for me through, through the things that I've said and I've done. And, and it's just, it's incredible. And I can share, share with some of you more later. I'm not going to share the whole testimony now. Okay, well, 10 minutes. Just kidding. <laughs> But, uh, you know, and even starting before this, I, women have, have had a huge pe- impact in my life. My mom, for one, intercessory prayer, she's just been a prayer warrior. She, she knew she couldn't control me, and so uh, in my childhood, I went and did whatever I wanted. And I, and I really was seeking the approval and attention and affection of women to try to fill the void in my life. I wasn't seeking Jesus. And women that were hurting and had been hurt, they hurt me. And so I constantly would go and just have these struggles and this brokenness. And so the impact of what they would say and what they would do to me really was, that was my identity at that point in time. So I had so much brokenness from women, that's, and that, that's powerful as well, but it was in a negative aspect. And so it took so long, and really it was such a long journey that Ashley had to to really struggle with, and and she really showed me the compassion and the heart of Jesus and how and how He does work for women, and, and it, it was a good year of me being just horrible and rotten to her, really to try to do everything I could to break her, and the love that she had for that period of time was just phenomenal, and it broke me, and 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 it continues to break me. To be honest with you, it just the way that she speaks into my life still and continues to champion me is just incredible. It. it it, it knows no bounds, really, the power of, of your voices and your words and of her voice and her words in my life. Um, but, I, I mean, like I said, too, with my mom, just the intercessory prayer, there's a couple other women here, Patty and Randy Hills. They have also championed me, and just the, the time and effort that they spent that I saw back when I was in my brokenness and was just kind of like, what are you ladies doing? You're just wasting your time. But they just, they knew, they knew the power of prayer, they knew the power of God, and they continued to speak into me, and they never gave up. And I continue to see this more and more and more in the church, and especially with women, um, Maybe it's just because I've just heard from more of you and not the men, I don't know, but just from them not giving up and that relentlessness and no, Jesus is relentless for my heart. He's got me. I'm relentless with his heart. I'm on track with him for these people and, and the prayer that they have, just so strong and powerful. We've been seeing prodigal sons and daughters just returning and just seeing relationships mended that were broken and destroyed. And so it's just so powerful, at least from my point of view, the, all the women I have in my life and now even here at River House and those of you that are visiting, but just how powerful is that, just that love that you continue to not give up and hope because you know, you know the power of Jesus. Yeah. That's so good. Isn't it just amazing to hear these stories and know that, you know, how powerful we are and just how it can, like, impact these lives around us and men around us. I loved all those answers. Um, The last question, this is my favorite. So Libby is um, speaking about, you know, seeing is kind of the theme of... um, this conference. And so the question is, if every woman lived out their powerful identity, knowing that they are seen and known, what would that look like? (laughs) 
Um, uh, I first, I don't know if you can sense that the presence of God is here in a beautiful way, especially after those, they started sharing. And uh, I want to do something, and I think it's going to unlock what she just asked. And uh, some of you, I believe, um, uh, you were made for someone to fight for you. And you heard a story of how uh, people fought for them, laid their lives down like a robin laying her life down, um, like uh, Ashley laying her life down, um, and uh, different people laying their life down. And then you actually heard stories about how different men had laid their lives down for a woman. And I, I believe that you're actually here, and there's a thing about the testimony. The testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy, which means that when someone shares a testimony, it prophesies and says, do it again, God. Do it again, God. Let there be somebody that would walk into your life that would lay their life down to see your dream come true. Uh, let there be someone that would receive the love that you are giving. Like I love Ben, how he's just to tears because he's receiving love. He's like, and same, he's receiving the love uh, that Robin gave. And, uh, and so um, I believe that the Lord actually wants to uh, mark you that there'd be men that would come into your life that would actually lay their life down for your dream to come true. And may you be been laying your life down for others, but actually I believe that that's just the picture of the church. Jesus died so that actually uh, he died for you. And uh, um, so just close your eyes and open up your hands, and I'm just going to pray. And, he, and even while eyes are closed, if this is something that, as I'm saying, you have not experienced this. You have not experienced someone laying their life down for you, for your dreams to come true. I believe the Lord wants to minister to your heart, and He wants to actually, uh, His presence to be poured out over you. So if, if that resonates in any way with you, I just want you to just quickly raise your hand, just so I can see. That's amazing. It's more than half the room. That's amazing. So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right now. I can see beautiful tears across the room. God, we just welcome you right now to minister to the hearts of people where they have not had somebody lay their life down for them. God, as these testimonies go out, I pray that you would mark them with radical relational favor. Lord God, that you'd surround them with men and women that would lay their life down to see their dreams come true. Lord God, thank you that you care about their dreams. You care about the depths of their hearts and what's valuable to them. And God, right now, I pray that you would pour out your love. And just on behalf of men, I just stand in the gap and I say, I am so sorry that I didn't fight for you and I put me first. On behalf of men, as a symbolic act, I just say, I'm so sorry that I didn't fight for your dreams. I didn't fight for your, uh, uh, for your calling. I didn't fight for and lay down financially, lay down emotionally, lay down time for you. I'm sorry that I made it about me. That's not the way it should have been. I was born to, to fight and I was born to champion you. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and that you'd heal hearts. And then just repeat this after me. Say, I was born to be championed. 
and I'm worth someone laying their life down for me. I'm just going to tell you a story. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> Something about women. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I got one in the front here. <laughs> They're right there. That's what it would look like. Perfect in every single way. <laughs> um, what would it look like if they... I think the church would be, whoa, man, this beautiful presence of God, yeah. I think the church would be, uh, I think the church would be twice as strong. You know, I think we, we'd have double the army. I think uh, that we're, if women's, it's, it would, it, once you start believing who you are, you start to manifest that. And I think once women start to, the culture inside, you can create as much gaps and space and empowerment as you like, but it actually starts with what do you believe about yourself? Because yeah. as a man thinketh, so he is on this earth. So I believe that when a woman actually starts to grab onto the identity and the culture that the kingdom talks about, they will start to manifest fully themselves. And I, I love to have heroes, and one of my heroes is my wife. Like, one of my heroes is uh, my queen, and she's... Uh, I think sometimes we can talk about it ethereally, but it's always good to have some, something that you can look at and say, okay, wow. And for me, that's, that's my queen. And so what it would look like is her. The truth is, you know, in our ministry school, we've got 2,000 students, 60% of them are women. And, but if you ask where the strongest leaders are, the majority of the strongest leaders are men. I, I don't think it's because men are stronger leaders than women, but I think through the church, the opportunities were actually given to men to grow and develop as leaders. And uh, I, I would love to see um, women step into leadership roles at a younger age. Uh, that's what I lay my life down to see, for them to develop into a place where, uh, where they operate like, like a queen, like my, like my, my baby. Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> I kind of mentioned earlier that, you know, just the women here that have impacted my life and, and just how powerful you all are, and I just continue to see it grow. So this question to me, it's almost like it's just prophetic for the future. It's not, it's not a wow, that would be cool. It's like that is happening, and I see this happening day after day after day, and, and it's incredible because just this valley that we live in, is, it's being turned and flipped upside down, and because women, you women, and a lot of you still have some brokenness, and I understand that, and that's why we're helping each other, and we're a family, and we're growing together, but a lot of you have stepped into that role and that authority of knowing who you are, knowing your true identity. And it is radically changing lives. And then your passion and your hunger to come and just try to receive more and want more, you're going to get filled. You, you ask and, and seek and you'll find and you're, you're just getting filled more and more. And so your passion, it's just, it's so inspiring to me too, even to, to watch the women that set this event up for you. Incredible. Like you can see the little detail. Like it's sometimes it's hard for us to look around, but you look at all the detail and you're like, oh my goodness, like, yeah, this is definitely women did this. <laughs> I mean, the 
the excellence Thanks, in it, <laughs> the excellence in it is just phenomenal, and I've seen it firsthand. Just the effort and that's put in for every little detail. To we want this to be so excellent. We want this to be so good for women because we know how powerful women are, and we want them to just receive so much. And it's just, it's just incredible. I'm, I'm just seeing it every day. So I say that question. That question's now. The answer to that question is now. It's here and now. It's happening now. Women are knowing their authority in Christ Jesus, and He's doing that now. And the daughters of God are being revealed now. So I just thank you, God, for that. And I thank you for the women. <laughs> thank you, God. <laughs> um, you know, I think when I when I think of that, I mean, it's like it sounds like revival. Sounds like heaven on earth. Sounds like God's culture becoming our culture. Um, but almost, I think, you know, it's like the, the Isaiah prophecies, Arise and Shine, obviously, we're at the Arise Conference. But, you know, women, women have a very gravitational force, you do. And something about when a woman stands, and this is who I am, as a beloved daughter of God, there is a brilliance to that, that um, it really is captivating. It, it, it's, there's an authority to it. You know, it's like... And it's not, it's not showy. It's kind of like a flower doesn't need to be seen to be beautiful. It simply is beautiful, you know, and people will go to great lengths just to stop and, and behold. And, um, but I, I think that, uh, I, I think of the, the underside of that is I believe that as women step into that, there, there's, we influence one another as male and female and even masculine and feminine. I think that there's like this beautiful marriage relationship between the two where we actually are interdependent like I need the expression of feminism for me to truly come into an expression of masculinity and I think vice versa and I just can even think of myself is like what Richard shared that's such an evoking story that like he laid his life down because of who he saw in his wife and I think that as women just stand and like this is who I am it will it almost, it has a gravitational force where that's what would evoke in my heart is I, I'm born for that. I'm born to lay down my life to be a, you know, some type of vessel that can just, that that diamond can rest upon to be a setting, you know. And so I think it will, it will actually give men space to express true masculinity. And there's just this beautiful like that's joy. Like that's that's this that's the marriage relationship, you know. And and yes, in the sense of our our little nuclear families, but that's the bride of Christ. And I believe that's what Jesus is coming for. And you know, sometimes we're like, when is the end times? End times are here. And you know, I've I've heard it taught. You know, what if Jesus is waiting until he sees a pure bride? And that's the end times. You know, when he's ready, his bride's ready for for a, a wedding day. And uh, that just sounds like like that's what I think of when I hear that question. Is like that sounds like a wedding. Wedding. That sounds like a bride that Jesus, that's prepared and adorned and anointed and, and ready for a face-to-face -face relationship with Jesus. You know, it's like Jesus, Jesus isn't coming to marry a little girl. You know, he's coming for a bride that's face-to-face -face and heart-to-heart and intimate and capable of communicating. Just there's this, just this beautiful bride that was so compelling that he went to the cross with joy because he sees her and he saw her and he still sees her and I just feel like you know that's what that's what you have the power to unlock and I think it will it will it will bring this divine alignment to even men like it will trigger I'm made to champion that I'm made to lift that up that's like I'm cap you know so I just 
I'm going to stop. <laughs> That's the single rabbi, but it's beautiful. <laughs> you know, it's beautiful. It's what Jesus is yearning for. He's coming for a bride, and, uh, and that's who you are. So that question, I think when, when I read that question, I think the first thing I was was overwhelmed. Like, what would it look like if every woman lived her identity? And then I, it kind of like hit me. It was like, oh, yeah, I'm overwhelmed because it would look like uh, revival was the first thing I thought of. It would look like pretty much what Jordan said. And I think uh, thinking about what, like, women living and who they are, I remember we were in India, and uh, it had just been Jordan mostly speaking, and uh, it was awesome. But there was this sense of, like, what do the women need? And we don't. There's so many different cultural barriers that it's like, we're trying to ask the men, like, what's, what's, what are the women like? What do they need? And there's just this wall of, like, man, like, how do we, how do we impact these women? I remember Robin came, and um, when she spoke, it was like the whole time she was speaking, I was like, oh, yeah, she brings something that we would have never seen. She brings something that's so deeply needed and something that, like, I will very gladly serve on the prayer team while she speaks because that's made to be expressed. And I, I feel that way truly about Robin, a woman living empowered is like, I will serve that and I will serve the anointing on your life because you're living empowered. And so um, I think it'll look, it'll look amazing. It'll look like union. The, when Jesus talks about union, I think it'll look like, uh, it'll look, it'll look amazing. I'm, I get lost for words because it's like, man, I've seen, I've seen when, a, when I see a family, when both people are living empowered it's and one's not dom necessarily like d demeaning the other. It's like, oh my word! It's like that's what I want because both of you are rising like independently, but also so 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 dependently. And I think that's what Jordan was saying is like it allows you to rise as a male and rise as a female. But the whole time there's this mystery space where it's like, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit. That's where He exists to like really really help raise it up. So. Yeah, I'm excited, and just through seeing Journey to Wholeness, every time we do Journey to Wholeness, and, and I guess this is a side note, but um, when we, I've, so many women have shared about, like, I've been fighting for five years for something. I've been fighting to break this system I'm in, and every time they share that, it's just I'm just like, keep fighting, because what you're fighting for, when you start to break free, it unlocks fruit. You'll bear fruit so abundantly that the world will stop and watch and say, like, I know who she was, but I don't know what that is because it's just Jesus. And so just I would just say keep fighting. Like, for those of you who have felt so controlled, like, I just want to, like, I guess apologize on behalf of men. Like, sorry for controlling you because you weren't made to be bound and you weren't made to be, uh, you weren't made to be contained because you carry something so precious. So you guys are amazing. And he, just opening the door, you guys were walking, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, you guys are powerful. You guys are weighty. So, yeah. Just, just a thought, when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts 2, it fell upon old, it fell upon young, it fell upon people of color, and it fell upon uh, male and female. And I love when the presence of God comes, it just squashes all cultural divides. And uh, I, just, I just think that's a good idea. So if, there's any, if there is anything inside of you that feels that you are less than less than 
if it's age, if it's poverty, if it's, uh, um, if it's your gender, that just needs to go. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, all that just goes. He falls upon it all. And that's what, that's, I would love that. That would just, I just love when the Holy Spirit comes. That's, that's good. Closing Uh, we're going to end with um, Jordan praying, and um, and then we're going to bathroom or coffee or any transition after for about five minutes. If you guys can go out and um, bathroom or coffee or any of that. So, but go ahead, Jordan. Yeah, so let's just, uh, just want to pray like a blessing over you, so. Abba, we come before you this afternoon with hearts of gratitude. Lord, as uh, men of God sitting up here, Lord, we're humbled. And we just come, Lord, and uh, just humble ourselves before you, Lord, and lift your daughters before your very throne right now. Lord, we honor them. Lord, we exalt them in your sight, and we ask, God, that you will come and open the eyes of their heart, Lord, with a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord, that you will give them the ability to look so deeply into your eyes, Jesus, and that as they gaze into those eyes of wonder, Lord, they will find themselves and their souls will remember who they are and that you will awaken the fierce love of Jesus that is like fire in their bones. Lord, we thank you for the voice of your bride. God, and today I ask that you will loose it. God, any constricting influence, Lord, any residue of religiosity, any voice and word and curse that has been spoken to silence or suppress or in any way diminish the voice of your daughters. Today, God, we ask that there will be a loosing, God, a loosing of the word of the Lord. We thank you, God, that you say your son and your daughters will prophesy. Lord, and we ask that the prophetic word of heaven will flow unhindered through your daughters. Lord, and where there has been barrenness, where the enemy has taken, there will be a full-fold redemption. Lord, and that you will come like a rushing wind and you will resurrect things, God. We thank you that where there's been dry bones, God, that were dried out because of religious systems that were birthed from fear and manipulation and control, Lord, that your daughters will rise today, God, like an army, Lord, that is just carrying the word of the Lord like a double-edged sword. God, we ask that your favor will rest upon them, that you will promote them in the eyes of man, that you will open doors that no man can shut, that you will use them, God, in ways that they are not supposed to be used and that culture says that's impossible. We thank you, God, that nothing is impossible. God, so we declare miracle grace. We declare the full favor of heaven, God. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this room today, God. And we bless your mighty name, Jesus. So come, Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way and take over. God, let your dominion come. Lord, just take over in this place today, we pray in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Hallelujah.